Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today on the podcast, I interviewed Viola Hug, and Viola is a coach. She is like all things soulful, and she talks all the things about intuition, manifestation. She has her own podcast um, that I was featured on as well, and it's called the Abundant Babes Podcast, Um, but I know that you are absolutely going to love this episode. We talk all the things about how she took the plunge, became a digital nomad, how she's traveling the world, um, living the life that she truly is obsessed with while she has the business that she loves, Um, and then how she just learned to follow and listen to her intuition and her tips and tricks around that. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I know that you will. Make sure that you're tagging me in your Instagram stories, letting me know know what you are loving. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Again, it always warms my heart to hear whatever you guys take away from it. And without further ado, I will see you inside. I'm Mindy Hancock, Mindset and Life Coach, and you're listening to the Bold Ambition Podcast. This podcast is a high-vibe, expansive space for the bold, ambitious, badass, whatever-it-takes woman. Settle in. Let's do this thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bold Ambition Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Viola Hug. Hello, Viola. Hello. Welcome. Viola is an intuitive business coach, mentor for visionaries, holistic nutritionist, host of the Abundant Babes Podcast for the Visionary, and an educational and motivational speaker. She lives a digital nomad lifestyle, traveling around the world, working with clients to help them set up and scale their soul business and empowering women everywhere to know that they have what it takes to achieve all of their wildest dreams. So welcome. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So first of all, I will just touch on the fact that the digital nomad lifestyle I am obsessed with. I love what you're doing. I love following you and seeing where you're going to next. And so I really love this whole journey that you're on there. But first, I just want to see if you can just give a background of who you are, where you came from, what led you to this digital nomad lifestyle and how you took that plunge. Um, Because I think it's just really fascinating. Yeah. It is, it's so funny. Like I always pinch myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually am doing this thing. Like (laughs) what? It's so cool. And um, I've always been ambitious. Like I've always had a part of me that wanted um, to do big things with my life. It was kind of like this inner calling, if you will. Like I always like think the classic story is when I was just four years old and um, I was in kindergarten and they asked us to draw what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I drew this like castle and me as a princess and people are like, what are you? And I was like, a millionaire. They're like, that's not a job. (laughs) I'm like, well, it's what I'm going to be. Okay. (laughs) And, um, but I mean, just like everyone, I grew up in a world, um, I grew up in a world where, um, that kind of wild ambition isn't necessarily always uh, praised, you know, like it was always like, be more realistic, get a real job. How can you, you know, do something that's sustainable? And like my mom would try to encourage me to like go for a career that would 
give me the highest pay for the least amount of work. And, you know, it was kind of like this whole mindset that I grew up in. But I had this part of me that desired freedom. I didn't know how to explain it other than the fact that I wanted to feel like I could do what I wanted when I wanted. Right. Like, and it was a desire of freedom for anything in my life. It was like desire to um, freely share my goals, desire to be anywhere in the world that I please desire to not have to punch a time clock on, you know, on someone else's schedule. It was just this ultimate feeling of freedom, which is really one of my strongest values, I suppose you can say. And so when I first jumped into entrepreneurship, that was my goal. It was like, how can I earn an income that is going to allow me to travel? And so that's pretty much how I got into the coaching world and all those things. And yeah, and then I guess like the next step was actually doing the thing. And so my husband and I had been traveling a lot, like, you know, some, um, sometimes we would have been out of the country, we were living in New Zealand, and we would have been out of the country, maybe even up to five months a year. Um, but it was kind of always like a short trip, like three, four weeks, and we'd be back or even two weeks, and we'd be back in New Zealand. And it was kind of like we were always back to our home base. And at the start of 2017, we kind of had this like realization and we're like, we are in a position where we don't have kids. We, you know, all of the stuff that we need is taken care of. Uh, We only owned one home, but it was a rental with really good, you know, um, tenants in it. We uh, didn't have any reason that was keeping us in New Zealand, like in the country we were in. And we were always talked about how we wanted to live as digital nomads and do the, do the thing. And so we made a big bold move and we decided not to renew our lease on our um, uh, house that we are living in for for another year. We sold all of our furniture. So we had like a couple of boxes with a little bit of stuff left in them. And then we jet off traveling a little bit in 2017, but it was the same thing. Like we always found our way coming back to New Zealand. So then at the start of 2018, we thought this is it, like, let's do it for real. And we sold even more of our stuff to the back uh, to the point where we only had two carry on suitcases. (laughs) And um, we decided just to book one way out of the country. And that was in August, uh, 2018 last year. Um, And we started off in the States and we kind of made our way around Europe. And now we're in Morocco and we're, heading to Croatia next and it's just like crazy. That is, oh, I just love it. So there's no, like, is there a certain time frame that you stay in each place or are you just kind of like, ah, just whenever you feel like it's time to go on? It's literally just like, where do we want to go next? Like we were talking like the other day when we decided to go to Croatia. So we've just booked going to Croatia. It was like, where do we want to go? And we're like, Thailand, Bali, America, Canada, like naming all of these places. And then we're like, oh, what's Croatia like? And then we like looked at a couple of the Airbnbs and stuff in the area, looked at flights and we're like, yeah, let's book it. And within like half an hour of looking at Croatia, we just booked it. And (laughs) that is so cool. And I, my husband and I talk about this all the time. Like, let's just be these nomads these gypsies and like (laughs) do all the things and just go and just experience life and I love that you guys are doing that it's just so it's inspiring it's like being able to live life on your own terms is something that I think that is the coolest thing and that you're you're fully embodying that and you're doing what you love Mm -hmm in a way that you love to do it. So whether it be like in your experience, your experiences, experiencing these things that others may not, 
may never get to experience. Go to these places that mm -hmm. others may never go because they're, they're letting life constrain them and restrain them from following whatever it is that they want to do. So I love your story. I love how you just kind of said, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to sell everything and we're going to be mm -hmm. happy with, you know, what we have and just go and do and see and experience. Mm -hmm. And like the experiences that you and your husband have probably made are like ones that you could never even imagine. And so mm -hmm. I, I just, I just love it. So on this journey so far, I really wasn't going to ask this, but I just, it just came to me and then we'll keep moving. But I wanted to ask you like, what was, what has been your favorite or your, um, either favorite place that you've been so far or most memorable experience or place that you have gotten to be, um, on your digital mm. nomad life? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's such a funny question because it's, um, it's so hard, you know, it's like choosing a favorite child, not that I have kids, but I can imagine that's what it's like right. because, um, I genuinely love aspects of everywhere that we've been. Mm -hmm. Um, and, there's, and even within a location, there's such massive diversity, right? Like in, we're in Morocco right now and we're just in one city and now we're, we're, we're just in a new city. And even between the two cities, like, of course there's similarities because it's the same country, but it's like still so diverse. Right. And so, um, one of the things that I, that it kind of is my favorite thing, or like if I'm going to have to narrow it down and really pick a favorite for me, it really comes down to like food <laughs> because I love food so much and yeah. also and I think also like um temperature uh and the way people interact like mm -hmm. I actually love America like in California is where we spent most of our time in America but it is one of mine and Nick's favorite destinations to go to and we're like already excited for when we're going back <laughs> mm. yes yes food is definitely always like we go back to places because of food for sure oh like, yeah 100%. Oh like we are yeah. the, like, we love trying new like restaurants and food. And like when you find something it's like, okay, we're going back there so that we can have these things yeah. from this restaurant. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. We, That's already like when we were like looking at going to Bali, we were like looking, we're like, Oh, this Airbnb is really close to that restaurant we loved. <laughs> and we're like, you know, like it's, it's always in our mind, but I mean like um, and the thing about food is, is that everywhere you go, it's delicious. It's just like the thing I love about America's is such massive access to anything. Yeah. So, anything so cool. and, and a variety of it for real. So yeah. in America, mm -hmm. that is, that is so true. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, like, whenever you decided to take this step and you decided to follow this nudge of like, um, just kind of just selling it all and just going and doing this and showing what it's possible, that this is possible, that you can like live the life that you want to live and have the business that you want. What, what did that feel like? How did, can you kind of talk on like following your intuition or listening a little bit here? Because I know a mm -hmm. lot of people, they, you know, they maybe number one, they don't even know, like they, they know that they feel that gut feeling, or maybe they know when you say like, Oh, maybe you feel that thought in your head or in your gut to, to, to leave five minutes later than you normally would. And you don't think about that being your intuition, but when it's your intuition calling you to do something, to make a move, to take a next step. Um, and how, what are, what are the steps that you took and like, how do you help mm -hmm. women realize that your intuition is like your superpower? Mm, oh my gosh, such a good question. Funny enough, like I've spent all day writing because I'm writing a book at the moment and I was writing on this topic. So I am so prepped for this. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> but oh, honestly, like, and I was going to say before, so I'm glad you asked, but it's like, mentally, it is not an easy thing doing this, right? Like it's all, seems all glamorous and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And it is, it's amazing. And I'm like, so gr- grateful and in celebration of everything that I'm doing. However, mentally you have to be playing a strong game because the amount of fears and insecurities and kind of like doubts and all of that egoic stuff that creeps up when you're in this space of complete uncertainty, you know, like my business is an online business. And although I know I am divinely supported and abundant, which is, you know, the, the truth that's on my side, um, it is still like, oh my gosh, but what if I don't get clients next month? Or what if no one signs up to my program? Or what if, what if, what if? And then you're like in a country and you have no idea how much your living expenses are going to be either because every country is different. Accommodation is different everywhere. Flights are always random. You know, like there's such uncertainty with this lifestyle that you really have to be in this space of trusting your intuition and uh, trusting the process and um, just, yeah, like consciously and actively choosing different thoughts when those thoughts come up. And so when we first made this decision as well as like, people always think I'm crazy, but it's just like, I feel like I just really do trust my intuition, but we weren't in a position where financially we would have been able to support ourselves living this lifestyle, but we made the decision anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that was already one thing that was crazy, but luckily by this point, like we'd taken enough bold actions and it worked out for both my husband and I to be like, yeah, let's do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and so it was, um, it was so scary. Um, but there was just this feeling in me that the, the feeling of feeling so free would actually allow me to build my business better, to, you know, um, to grow more. And I, and I trusted in that process. And so, yeah, we, we took that leap anyway. And obviously it's been amazing. Like my business has grown more and more and more every month since I've been traveling. And um, I was able to hire my own coach while I'm traveling. And it's just like all these amazing things are happening. And I didn't doubt that that would happen because my intuition was so strong about that. This is a good decision. And how I often describe this to people is like your intuition, like you kind of have to like, you know, it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulder analogy. <laughs> and um, that when you understand that basically none of our thoughts are really our own. Like the only thoughts that are our own are when we can create an awareness to perceive the thoughts we're thinking rather than thinking them ourselves. So we have like our little devil on the shoulder. That's always like um, whispering doubts in our mind and what could go wrong and you know, all of those kind of thoughts. And then we have our little angel on the shoulder. That's kind of like our um, it's like a direct dial to our soul potential right? Like every soul has unlimited potential. The only reason why we are quote unquote limited is because the human perception of what we're capable of, right? Right. And when our soul speaks to us, this little angel on our shoulder, it um, really can only speak to us by giving our body signals. And it gives our body signals. So like always be, if you're like wondering what your intuition is, here's how you're going to be able to tell if you're being guided to a good decision it speaks to you through bursts of inspiration. It speaks to you through feelings of hope. It speaks to you through joy and this ultimate like exciting and expansive feeling. Like, you know that feeling when you're so excited about something and like you almost like sit up taller and your chest opens and you're just like, oh my gosh, and this could happen and that could happen. And it's just like this incredible feeling. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is that our soul kind of has like a five second head start on our little devil on our shoulder. 
So usually what happens, and all of you will probably be able to relate to this if you kind of think back or even stop noticing it now, it's about a five second window for most people where they get this inspiration, they feel this like over excitement, which is their soul kind of like channeling intuition through to them. And then the little devil on the shoulder goes, oh, but what if you fail? <laughs> what if you run out of money? Like, what if your friends judge you? And it throws all these, um, you know, the, the egoic thoughts at you. And so that's usually when people go, oh my gosh, wouldn't this be amazing? Like, wouldn't it be amazing to travel the world? And then before you know it, it's like, oh yeah, but that's not realistic. I can't do that. Oh, maybe I'm not meant for it. Oh, but how is it possible? Like all the thoughts come in. And yeah. that is a natural thing, right? It is normal. Everyone experiences it, whether you're at the start of your journey or way further ahead. It's just once you can start to build a consciousness around this and start to understand that neither thoughts are real, like the fact that you can, you're going to be successful, you're going to fail, like neither of them are real because they haven't happened yet. But if your soul is getting you excited about something, it means that it's meant for you. Like what a silly design it would be if we would get excited and desire things that we weren't capable of achieving. Right. Right. Like jokes on you, like you want it, but you'll never have it. No, it's like, we're really designed to be able to have those things. And through inspiration and excitement is how our soul speaks to us and says, yes, yes. Like this is the thing you should be following. Do the thing, trust it. Um, and yeah. And so it's just, I mean, it's probably easier said than done at the start. You can build a habit around it, but it's becoming aware of these different thoughts and then choosing to trust the intuition anyway. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was a beautiful explanation of it all because it's so true. Um, and the analogy of the, the devil and the angel and in and, and the what ifs and that like, but what uh -huh. if you fail or, you know, you can't do this. And I think that a lot of times we have it, we can allow those, those thoughts to really take over, um, and dictate yeah. what path we take. And almost sometimes we validate those. Like we say, okay, well that's yeah. true. Like I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of time or money or whatever. And we begin to allow it to be like, we, we look for ways to validate those thoughts versus yeah. ways to, you know, invalidate them. So, and that, Go ahead. That's why people have such trouble with following their intuition because um, we're really like, like you said, we're looking to, to validate things like our subconscious mind is actually looking for proof all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, this is happening on such a subconscious level that until you build an awareness around this, you're, it's going to be really hard for you to make different decisions because you, you know, like you think this idea and then you think, oh, but what if I fail? And then all of a sudden your mind automatically, right, without you even having any say, starts digging up every single time you failed or every single time you've seen someone fail or, you know, whatever it is, all this proof to validate that. And that belief becomes so strong in your mind that that seems like the most realistic option. Because really, what is the realistic option? You've seen the stories of people going from complete poverty to incredible success in a short amount of time. You've seen people who've worked their whole life and never achieved anything. Like either possibility is an option. Mm -hmm. It's just, which one are you going to believe in more? And you can actually choose to stop validating the thought you want, right? Like what we're putting out there, what we choose to believe to be true is what we um, experience in our life. So if you're constantly believing that you're going to fail and you could never do it anyway, then you're never going to take action towards that. Whereas if you allow yourself to stop thinking, well, 
where's proof that maybe I could be successful? And you start thinking of all the people who've been successful before you and all the times in your life you did do a good thing and you were, you know, you did persevere and all the things, then that thought becomes the more real one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That is so true. And one, one thing I wanted to ask is that whenever you do find yourself, because we've, I mean, no matter what, I feel like doesn't matter how successful you are. You're always going to have those thoughts. You're always going to have those Mm -hmm. beliefs that come back up, whether, you know, they're from something that, you know, happened before you just always have these limiting beliefs that come up, um, to try to keep you safe and try to be like, okay, well, I see that this is what you want, or this is what, you know, you're being guided to do. But then at the same time, these are trying to keep you safe from failing almost like if you just don't do it, then you can't fail. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, what is it that you, what is like when you are hearing those thoughts or you start to think of these things that like, well, what if this happens or you try to find a, you you try to figure out all the what ifs and you try to kind of control the what ifs, what is it that you do to help yourself work through those? Or what do you do with your clients to help work through those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. There's like two main things. And I think like the overarching thing that I truly believe is the key to success is awareness. Mm -hmm. Because when you have awareness, that's firstly gonna um, completely kind of like shift the perception, because then suddenly it's not just like, oh my gosh, you're having this thought, what if I fail? Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking I might fail. Where's this coming from? You know, and you can have like a completely different take. You can kind of like self-coach yourself in a way, right? Right. And by the way, for those of you that don't have a coach, uh, self-coaching yourself is really powerful as well. And there's a level that you can self-coach yourself to for sure. You know, I self-coached my way until I could hire a coach. Mm -hmm. And um, it was through having this awareness. This was like the most powerful tool. It was like whenever something was brought to light and I knew I needed to change a thought pattern, it was awareness. I, you know, I, I do things to remind myself, you know, if I'm thinking that I'm going to fail, I need to be aware of it and then change that thought. And so that's kind of like the start of it. I think that sometimes that um, is more powerful once you kind of already have like a little bit of like belief and, you know, like desire and like, oh my gosh, I've already jumped into the deep end. Like it's a little bit easier to just use a perspective shift when you're kind of already really in it. But before you're in it, it can feel harder to do that. It can be like, what if I fail? Yeah, but what if you don't? But yeah, what if you do? And that one like, you know, always feels a little bit more dominant. Um, So other than the perspective shifts, which I still recommend. So like, for example, I myself and I would get my clients to uh, think about uh, whatever the dominating fear is that's coming up and think about how they can reframe that and kind of challenge that belief. And there's, you know, all these processes you can do as well from really questioning that belief. um, Because as you question beliefs, it often demystifies them. But um, there's this other fun process called fear planning. And I didn't make this process up. I can't remember. I saw it on a TED Talk a few years ago, and I loved it because it really put it into perspective. And it's really thinking about, okay, well, what is the worst case scenario? Like, well, what does failing mean? Like if you decide to like do the live video or start the business or hire the coach, like what is the absolute worst case scenario? And someone might be like, oh, I'm going to go bankrupt. And then you go, okay, well, how are you, you know, like um, what's the worst thing that would happen if you went bankrupt? And then you think, well, 
this would happen and that would happen and okay and what would happen if that happened well this and this and this would happen you kind of allow yourself to spiral a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it also starts to feel a little bit less big of a deal the more you talk about it it's like fears are always bigger when you think about them rather when you talk about them or write them down or you know bring more awareness to them Mm -hmm. and then you say okay now you've got the worst case scenario um what are things that you could put in place to maybe prevent or prevent or to deal with each of these steps so for example if like bankruptcy what could you what are some things you could put in place to uh prevent bankruptcy or at least like change something if it was really looking like it was going to go that way right right um and then you go okay well i could maybe be responsible with my finances and i could maybe talk to someone about creating a budget or i could um do this or i could do that and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, all these worst case scenarios have a million and one things that I can do to either prevent them or deal with them if they happened. Um, And it doesn't seem that scary anymore. And then after you've done that process, most people feel like not as intimidated by their fears anymore. And then you can then ask yourself the question, okay, and what's the best case scenario? And then suddenly that one feels so much more exciting and the fears just seem so little. Mm. That is such a good exercise and way to work through them. I've never heard that. And so I really like the fear planning aspect. That is, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to use that for myself because I, when you're right, like when you start to, when you're thinking about them, it almost becomes this like overtaking, it overtakes you and your thoughts and, and you Uh can't get past them because that's all you're thinking about. And when you put Mm -hmm. them down on paper, it just is, just as like anything, if we put it down on paper, it begins to, we can make more sense of it. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I, I know my mind kind of goes a hundred miles an hour in all different yeah. directions. And so in one minute I'm thinking about how great this is going to be. And then the next minute I'm thinking about how bad it's going to be. And then you just can mm-hmm. never decipher and really, um, kind of fine tune what exactly it is that you're thinking and what sometimes what it is that you're truly fearful of because yeah. you have too many things going on in your head. So I love the idea of putting it on paper and really working through it mm-hmm. that way. Because yeah. that, that's a powerful way to work through it. And I think that um, a lot of people need to try that. I'm definitely going to try that. So thank you for bringing that to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to shift gears a little bit um, because mm-hmm. obviously your um, podcast is called the Abundant Bay Podcast, but I wanted to, mm-hmm. the word abundance is like just the most fun word. I love the word. And I think that mm-hmm. we can talk about abundance in, in several different ways. It can be money. It can be joy. It can be, you know, mm-hmm. it can be so many different ways, but I do want, I do believe firmly that like abundance is our birthright and that we have the, we have the ability and, um, we it's, it's a part of who we are. We can be abundant in whatever way you want to talk about it. So I do want you to talk on abundance and like what you feel is, um, what sometimes what holds people back from stepping into this like life of abundance and like not meaning just mm-hmm. wealth, like I said, but just like what is abundance to you and mm-hmm. where do you, where do you, um, think there is maybe even a disconnect with people stepping into this and like understanding the, the word abundance and how, how it is something that we have access to and we all have access to, we all have this birthright. Um, so just kind of wanted to get your take on that as well. Mm -hmm. So I agree with everything that you said about abundance. Like I believe that it comes in all forms. I believe that it is our birthright for sure. I believe that abundance is actually our default state. 
you know, like we come into this world completely abundant as souls. We are abundant because really it just means we have access to anything that's going to fill us up and make us feel joyful and, you know, all the things. And um, we just tend to forget it because uh, if you think about abundance, like on a scale, like often people talk about opposites, but if you know um, much about like, for example, the law of attraction or the universal laws, um, it talks about how things aren't necessarily opposite. So it's not like um, there's abundance and then the opposite is scarcity or there's love and the opposite is hate. It's that there's a scale. And so they are actually the exact same um, like frequency or thing. It's just that where on the scale you're tuning into that thing is what you're experiencing. So what sometimes people get lost when I say that, but I'll explain it more. So if you imagine the scale, like when we're on the scarcity end of it, it means that even if we've experienced scarcity before in our life, we actually have the capacity to experience abundance because technically they're the same thing, right? We just are tuning in at different levels. And then when you're experiencing abundance, it's the same thing. Like you have the potential to experience um, scarcity. And we come into this world all abundant and amazing, but then (laughs) through conditioning, through just the way that the human experience is, it's this um, experience of polarity where we do have those different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of us fall into this uh, belief where we forget how abundant we truly are. And even I see this when people are learning about abundance and they're wanting to call more amazingness into their life. Like I think conversations around like manifestation and abundance and everything really go hand in hand because um, a manifestation is really calling into your life a level of abundance in whatever area it is that you're wanting to call it in. And so if you know you want a new job opportunity, it's an abundant, um, it's still an abundant experience or more money or more joy. It's like all abundance in a, in a sense. So they really go hand in hand. Um, and I see so often that people, they think that abundance is something that um, you just like tap into every now and then. So I often give the analogy of like imagining that abundance is this like beautiful river and it's this like flowing river. And in your mind, you can take this river to any place that you want. It can be a river in a desert. It can be a river in a forest. It can be, you know, with a rocky bed on each side, the water can be blue. It can be purple. It can be sparkly. Like (laughs) however you want to imagine this river, it's just this incredible river. And it, um, is true abundance. It's just this energy of abundance where everything just flows and feels amazing and, you know, good things happen to you. And so many people, they go to the river and they go, Ooh, abundance. And they like take, take their cup and they dip it in the river and they take their cup home and they like use up their abundance. (laughs) And then later they come back for more. It's like people have this feeling or this idea around abundance that it's something that you can only tap into every now and then when really you actually have the capacity to be able to jump into the river and to flow with it, to Mm -hmm. become one with it, to really embody it and understand that this river of abundance isn't actually something that's happening outside of you. It's a life force that flows through within us. So abundance is really who we are. It's just, are we allowing ourselves to understand that we truly, truly are abundant or are we, you know, um, having this feeling that it's something that's outside of us that we have to get or that the lucky people have, Mm. right? So that's already a part of it. I know that's like a quite an abstract um, explanation. No, I loved it. That was, that was a beautiful, like 
analogy and explanation of it. I loved how you tapped mm -hmm. on that. And, and it was really a good visual, like I'm a visual person. So mm -hmm. being able to see that visually made so much sense. And so for someone who is living in that space that, well, it's only available to me in spurts because I'm not that lucky. Mm -hmm. I'm not that like, I just kind of mm -hmm. have this, um, the, it seems to me that abundance comes in waves. And whenever I, I'm not abundant, you know, that's when I'm, you know, things aren't going as well. And so, you know, I, I, I wish that I could be, you know, I could live in this flow and live in this abundant space. But I, for me, it's only ever happened in spurts. So how do you help someone work through that to where they allow this like flow mm -hmm. and this ease and know that it's okay. And that it's not just for one person, you can have it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point as well. And I think it comes back to this whole understanding that people think that, you know, their luck is limited, like good things come in threes or bad things come in threes, or it's like, you know, oh, if something really good's happened, or if you know, you got green lights all the way to work, then something bad must be about to happen. Like it's, it's um, portrayed on movies a lot and TV shows and stuff like that. It's kind of like a general societal belief that it can all be good. But Firstly, the whole concept of good and bad is also, and for that matter, abundance and scarcity is a total mind game. Like it is what you're perceiving it as. Mm -hmm. Because for you, what was the worst day ever for you might be like the dream day for someone else, right? right? Like it's total perspective. And you can imagine people who have nothing, who are uh, you know, living on the street or they, you know, they lost their family or anything like to have a day where they could go to a job that pays them and have someone waiting at home for them when they get home would be like a dream. Whereas for you, it might just be like, Oh, another day in the office, like, can't handle it. Like, you know, so there's perspective to it. Not saying that you have to settle with what you have, but there's still a level of being grateful for the things that you have um, while still striving for more growth and more expansion, which we are designed for. So it's totally fine, by the way, to be simultaneously grateful and still want more in your life. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's firstly understanding that actually everything that happens is for us. So we might have an experience that we perceive as abundance and we go, oh, yay, I'm abundant in this moment. And then the next moment, like, I don't know, like we need a new tire on our car or um, you like your phone breaks or whatever. And you're like, I wasn't abundant now. Like I'm not abundant now. And we label all the things that happen in our life as to what we think makes us abundant and what we think makes us, makes us not abundant. And this is where this belief first starts. But if you go back to that analogy that I was talking about and you remember that actually abundance is within us, it is who we are, it is this beautiful river that flows through our energetic veins and it's something that we're, we always have the capacity to tap into, then we can also um, look at every situation in our life and go, okay, well, maybe I don't perceive this as an abundant thing right now, but is it possibly like, is there a possibility that this could be leading to more abundance, perceived abundance somewhere else in my life? Right. Mm -hmm. And I give this example quite often. It's like I had this situation where I'd been working on this belief for a while. Don't worry. It didn't happen overnight, but right. I've been working on this belief overnight that maybe actually everything that's happening to me, happening to me was a good thing. Right. Not just that everything happens for a reason and good things happen. No, everything good. Like everything that happens is good. Um, for me, so we, this was in 2017 when we went on our first kind of like three month trip to the States and we were going over with like barely money to, to um, a week, let alone like 
the study. And we decided the first week we're gonna do like a camper van trip. And then we were working online and um, we needed our laptop and everything to do our work after that so we could make more money um, for our trip. And within the first couple of days of being in the camper van without us noticing, a bottle of water had tipped over, poured all over the laptop and completely broke it. And so we're like, oh no. But it was the moment I just remembered. I remembered that belief. I said, okay, well, good things always happen. So I just put the laptop to the side and I said, well, we don't even need to worry about it right now because we're still on our camper van trip. So we took a trip. And then we got to our friend's apartment that we were staying. He was in the middle of launching a new business, like business, and he needed some help with like design work and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'd love to help you. I just don't stop. And he goes, oh, well, how about I gift you a laptop as um, like to pay you? And I'm like, um, okay. And it was like a way better laptop than the one that we originally had. And, you know, so we could have so perceived that as a bad thing happening, but really it ended up being for something so much better. Right, right. I love that. And it's all about a perspective shift. And, and I like how you said, yeah. you know, every, it doesn't mean that everything does happen for you. And I do 100% agree with that. And not that everything happens for a reason per se. It's hard to say that everything and like give everything a reason, but I do think it's happening for you. Yeah. Um, and no matter totally. what it is, whether you want to put a label on it good or you want to put a label on it bad. I mean, you can put the label on it if you want, but it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It's all happening for you for a re like it's all happening for you for your path. So you spilling that water yeah. on, on the laptop, you could have been like, Oh, this is so bad. This ruins everything. And now we can't do what we need to do. How are we going to continue? But instead you're like, well, this is not yeah. something that we can tackle right now. We're going to put it to the side. And then this next thing opens up for you. So it's like, we can, we can choose yeah. to, to sit in this like state of you know, self-pity and like, well, why is this happening to me? Why does this, why do these things always happen? Mm -hmm. Or we can choose to be like, you know what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't control this. This is not something that I, you know, I, I have the ability to, to, to control and change and whatever. And I can choose to just trust and know that whatever is happening, it's happening for me and not to me. And so I'm just going to keep rolling with it. And like, that's a lot of times where I say, you just kind of have to flow and roll with the punches sometimes, yeah. whether it be you know, like, it really is like life is about rolling with the punches. And sometimes when we try to take grasp on it and we're like, but no, I want to be in control of you. That's when it doesn't, it seems like <laughs> when we're not in control, that's when we think, oh gosh, all of this is bad. Everything is bad. Everything is yeah. happening bad to me because we aren't in control of it. But when we just be like, you know what? it's okay. Like things are going to work out. I fully, you know, believe that it's going to happen and it, you can look at it either way. So I totally, totally understand mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I love how you use that, um, that experience to kind of, to show that you could, you could have easily said, Oh, well now we have to leave. No more, no more trip for us. Like, like there's so many things that you could have like done this excessive extreme way of reacting to that that um a lot of times i think yeah. that we do we do like we allow something to dictate yeah. well oh well that obviously this is not going to work obviously this isn't meant for me you know whether it be like you uh -huh. sign on a client and then they decide that within the first week that this is not for them okay well then that can either you can either dictate that that is okay well it's a learning lesson and she wasn't you know meant for you mm -hmm. or you can learn it can be like 
this, this place where you decide that you're not good enough, that you aren't um, worthy mm-hmm. to, to receive these yep. clients. So it's all about a perspective shift. I do, I mm-hmm. do totally agree with that. Yeah. So I, I love, love that you tapped on that. So um, ah, I was so glad that you came on today. That made me so happy. <laughs> so I do want to um, ask mm-hmm. you real quick, just kind of like a backstory, because I know that you have, I know that there are so many different ways that you help clients and women, whether it be in a group coaching aspect or whether it be a one-on-one or whether it be in your podcast. But whenever you think about like overarching, like why it is that you do what you do, because I know that for me, I'm always like, people say, well, why do you do this? And I'm like, well, because I feel like, so pulled that it is my job to help empower and Mm -hmm. inspire other women and let them know that they have this purpose or whatever it is inside of them that they just cannot tap into. So overarching theme, theme, like why it is that you feel like you are doing what you do and you, it is, it lights you up. Like it is, it is so much this like soul work that you know that you are meant to do. Mm, Oh my gosh. I feel like it's been a journey and like every day that I'm doing what I'm doing, whether it is in the capacity that I'm doing it now, which is through coaching or how even when I first started, which was in uh, the direct sales industry, it's like no matter what I've been doing, it's like all been building on itself and I'm discovering new layers of why I'm so like in love with everything that I'm doing um, along the way. But um, it really like the whole passion for me started off. Like I said, I'd always been someone who is like, I had a feeling I was going to do really big things. I wanted to do really big things. Um, but I just didn't really know how I was going to do them. But then I was given like more purpose through kind of like a really sad experience that I went through, which I know so many people have gone through as well. But I lost my dad to cancer when I was 16. And he was um, sick for two and a half years before he passed away. And me being the oldest, like, firstly, that came with a lot more responsibility. But um, not that I think even at 15, 16 years old, you really um, have, like, a really good perspective or understanding of what's going on. It's kind of like this awkward age because you look like you should be able to understand it. But emotionally, you're still really fragile. Um, And so for me, I was just like in shock at the fact that just like that, someone could lose their health, lose their capacity to do the things that they love, um, you know, lose their family, like all of these things, lose their life in the end of it. And, you know, my dad was someone with so much passion. He still had so many things he wanted to do in the world and he didn't get the opportunity to do that. And so for me, I was like, at first, just like stunned about that it even happened, because I was like, we're healthy, like, how did this happen? Like, all these things. And I am just on accident or accident or divine, (laughs) you know, divine guidance, whatever you want to call it. um, I was guided to hearing suddenly a lot of things about nutrition and lifestyle. And I was thinking, okay, there's something to this. And I realize there's a link between how you live your life, um, you know, um, through lifestyle and the food you eat and everything, and the risk that you have of getting disease. So I actually started off with a Bachelor of Science in nutrition, because I was so passionate about never getting sick, or having the people that I love get sick. And the more I learned about it, I was like, the whole world needs to hear about this. Like, everyone needs to know this stuff. And so it started off with this, with this like fire, like I couldn't even control it. Like I was 
so bad at science at school and suddenly I was getting like some of the top grades in my class and bio freaking chemistry and I'm like what's happening to me um and it was just like and it was so difficult for me but I had this sheer desire to really know and understand the human body and what we can do to support it and then as I left my job uh, my degree and I suddenly started to realize that what's the point of having a really good health and living a long life if you're going to hate your life the whole way through it mm. so then it was like this massive like push in the direction of like I want to live the life that I where I can do all the things that I want to do and have really good health and then that sort of led me to being like okay cool now that I'm learning how to do this everyone needs to know about it and now it's just this like I really understand the deep fulfillment that comes through and it's not for everyone but for the majority of the people that I work with or pretty much everyone that I work with but it's this like understanding of really like becoming coming back to who you are coming back to those inner desires like learning you know like kind of like peeling off those layers that made you forget how innately abundant you are and incredible you are and then being able to channel that passion into a business so literally what you do in a day-to-day -day life is what makes you feel so good and mm -hmm. so that's kind of how this passion <laughs> was yeah. created within me yeah i love that i just wanted i mean I think we all have things that have happened or things that have helped shape us and, and then for you to have mm -hmm. this be this catalyst as to who you are today and how you are serving mm -hmm. other people and helping them tap into this as well. So I love that and I thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that entire story and, and the journey behind mm -hmm. it. Um, I think that that, that was absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. And um, I always like to kind of wrap things up with um, three random questions. So I'm just going to ask you. Um, the first question is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Oh my gosh, I, I don't even think I've ever thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> favorite word. Um, I feel like, I don't know if this is just because we've been talking about this, but I think I really love the word abundance. Oh, yes. I agree. It's a great It's just word. like a feel-good word. It is. I agree. It feels good when you say it. It's just a really good word. <laughs> yeah. So, good. Um, question number two is, what is your favorite sound? My favorite sound? Oh, my gosh. These are hard ones. <laughs> As you can tell from, like, the first question you asked me when you asked me, like, what my favorite place was in the world, favorites are hard for me. <laughs> I just love so much stuff. My favorite sound. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with like that sound of like when you know when you're in bed and it's like early morning and I don't know if you know this. I'm just like imagining it, but you know you're at the beach and mm. it's like the sound of like the wind rustling in the trees and the ocean crashing. Oh, yes, that the is... sound of freedom. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is what freedom sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And last question. I know that you are kind of like digital nomad you are a digital nomad, mm -hmm. not kind of so this one might not as much go with, but it was bedroom car or desk what do you clean first so i don't know how that mm. would really tie in bedroom car or desk i'm gonna go definitely desk yeah yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> car is like my 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 lowest on my priority list me too. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. So thank you so much for being on. And for everyone who is listening, who wants to connect with you and get in your energy, how can they find you? I would love it if you guys want to come connect with me. 
I am at Viola Hug on everything. I'm sure the spelling will be somewhere that you can see as you're listening to this. Um, but my favorite place is like Instagram stories. I just seem to be silly and have fun on those all the time. Um, and then Facebook. I also have my Facebook group, um, like alongside my podcast called Abundant Babes. And then um, my website, ViolaHug.com. It's kind of like my hub. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a honor having you on the podcast and this episode is going to be so well received. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And you guys, I will see you on the next episode.